continue to look at this subject of becoming and developing a base church. And in the last session, I, was, I spoke about a few of those seven ingredients, characteristics uh, that are a basic minimum to being a base church. And we looked at the scriptures in Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 14, all of that about a base church. Base churches, what they do. And I, I spoke about reflecting um, New Testament, kingdom of God, vision, uh, values and lifestyle, that it exists for the sake of others. And now we move to the next one, that a base church can sustain growth, can continue to mature and be effective even when the visionary is away for sustained periods of time. So I'll give you that little heading again, but simplified a little more. A base church can sustain growth, maturity and effectiveness even when the visionary is away for a sustained period, sustained period of time. In other words, it has to have a leadership pool that is large capacity and capable people. Like the Acts 13, 1 to 3. There were prophets and teachers in Acts 13. And the Holy Spirit could come there and say, right, out of that pool of large capacity leaders, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then that large capacity group of people laid their hands on them with the church and commissioned them. Acts 13, 1 to 3. One, verses 1 through to 3. Moving on quickly. In order for them to become large capacity, that means for to have that pool of leadership, then the present leaders need to develop, and even the de de that's elders and deacons, they must improve their preaching skills and their knowledge of the, will, of the Word of God, the will of God, and the ways of God. They've got to increase this, their, their preaching skills, increase their knowledge of God's Word, increase their knowledge of the will of God and the ways of God. You see, base churches attract and then keep large capacity people. They don't just attract them and then lose them. They attract them and keep them till they commission to go. There are two vital sides to this coin. You see, the, the present leadership must make room for other people's giftedness, for them to sometimes even appear to be bucking the system. Not rebellion, not the Absalom type stuff, but where they don't just toe the political line, they've just got to be free to be themselves. And the other side of that coin is that those who the leadership trust and entrust to buck, buck the system, to so-called, so don't betray their trust and undermine the values of compete, compete for loyalty of heart, etc., like Absalom did. Base churches keep, and they only attract and keep large capacity leaders. For that to happen, the church cannot be Preacher political. Believers have to understand, begin to mature and realize that, yes, there are Pauls and there are Peters and there are Apollos and there are whatever, but only God can give the increase. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 10 to 18, 3, chapter 3, verse 1 to 9, chapter 4, verses 1 through to 7. Paul says you're like infants. You're carnal. Why? Because they preach a political. So one says, I'm a Paul, another of Apollos. Whatever you is, I, I'm for Dudley, I'm for some other guy, I'm for whatever it is. 
you got to we got to grow up and grow beyond that that is childishness according to what god says by the spirit of god that is childish weak believerism we've got to help our people to mature and see the whole church the whole leadership and in order for them to see that the leadership themselves have to do what i said last time they've got to develop improve their preaching skills their knowledge of god's word his will and his ways so personal prejudices and preferences must be crucified. Folk, can I just say this to the, the, the visionary elder or the lead elder, whatever you want to call him. Don't treat your other leaders like apprentices or your servants. You'll keep them diminished in the eyes of the people and God will never be able to make your church. A base church. Hear me now. Your gifting may attract people, but you won't keep large capacity leaders that want to serve God all out. So don't treat your elders like apprentices or inferiors or your servants. Leaders, together, don't give in to the pressure to perform or come up with some new exciting, exciting happening every week counsel from your pulpit instead of perform and counseling the word of God by the power and, uh, and impartation of the Holy Spirit helps people to see the value of the word of God and that stirs the word of God and the spirit of God stir their wills instead of a performance that just stirs emotions emotions come and go but the will when god by the spirit of god through the word of god preaching that sound sane respectful biblical it stirs the will and that's what god wants the will and so people also need in that to develop a love for God's house, as Psalm 84 verses 10 to 12 tells us. You see, true fruitfulness creates true generosity in ministry. I have to move on. I would love to have mentioned a bit more there. The next little characteristic or ingredient of a base church is they are a voice for truth, not an echo of their culture. They're a voice for truth. This has to be understood in the following ways. Sometimes we're just trying to make everyone, the leaders that is, everyone culturally what we prefer them to be and what we're most comfortable with. Or we try to, you know, we might want them to be quiet. We might want them to be loud, be like us from our nationality. When we're going into all the nations, we're not going there to make them what our nation is and what our nation's culturally happy with we're going there to make that nation what god wants it to be in that nation so always trying to make everyone culturally what you prefer or feel most possible with or also like your past make them all pentecostal make them all prosperity make them all faith make them we've got to get rid of that so many of us we give what the people what they desire, avoiding confrontation, conflict or change, playing to the crowd, giving into the spirit of this age, humanism. 
Read Jeremiah chapter 8 verses 9 through to 11 and chapter 6 verses 13 and 14. Hope that will help you to understand a little more of what I'm trying to say. We're, we're talking about a voice for truth and not for, tr for an echo of the culture. Where truth received transforms. You see, when truth is acknowledged, it doesn't always transform. But when truth is received, recognized, acknowledged, surrendered to and embraced from the heart, it absolutely transforms. And so a base church is where the kingdom of God comes the government of God rules if we aren't submitted to the, 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 the government of the kingdom of God and surrender to the King Jesus we'll never become a base church you see I'm trying to say the government of God the kingdom of God has to be more than just sung about spoken about shouted about it has to be submitted to and that necessitates us preaching a whole Bible theology on church, both local and translocal. And I'm hoping to get an opportunity to share what I mean by a whole Bible theology on church, both local and translocal. Moving on quickly, we come to the next uh, ingredient of what uh, 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 base church is and how it can be transformed. Uh, a base church is constantly producing and commissioning new leaders and church planters in the church and into the nations of the world. Large capacity leaders attract large capacity people. And that means they attract large capacity potential leaders. And so we as Christians have to commit ourselves seriously to be trained and transform, fashioned into Christ -like, a Christ-like leader. Stable, large-capacity leaders keep large-capacity leaders, potential leaders. Moving on quickly with this part of the stable, large-capacity leaders keep large-capacity potential leaders. We also need to, if we're going to be a large... Uh, uh, a base church, we need to be enlisting young leaders, training and releasing them. That ensures longevity and effectiveness and the increasing enlarging of our sphere of influence. Paul's helpers that you read of in the Word of God consisted of both young and of old, of married and single, of male and female. Read for yourself in Acts chapter 16 verses 1 to 3, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, Romans 16 1 to 4. Verse 6, verse 9, verse 12. So we need mature, older-aged leaders like the Calebs and the Moseses who were 80 years old, etc. We also need younger-aged leaders like 1 Timothy 3, 6 says that even though they're young, they mustn't be a new convert, but they can be young. And Paul says to Timothy, don't let any man despise your youth, but be an example. You can read of that in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And throughout the Old Testament, you see the New Testament, Old Testament kings, the kings of the Old Testament. Look at some of the ages. In 2 Kings 8, 26, 22 years old. In two, all of these come out of two, two, 2 Kings chapter 11, verse 21. One was seven years old. Yes, he had helpers, but he was seven. Another was 16 in, act, in the 15th chapter, verse 2. 16, verse 16, 2, they... Verse 2, 20 years old. 20, chapter 21, verse 1, he was 12 years old. 21, verse 19, these are kings. 
21 verse 19, 22 years old, 22 verse 1, 8 years old, 24 verse 8, 18 years old, 24 verse 18, 21 years old. And we see young people exampled, Exodus 33, 11, Joshua chapter 1, the example of Joshua, the example of Timothy in, in, in 1 Timothy 4, 12. So we must teach our people these Bible truths. That they respect even the young people, like the young people are to respect the older. But we need to respect our leaders. But don't try to make everyone what you are. Make room for organic, organic leadership. Please, can I just say this? Don't get too strung up about being orderly in every, in your t every aspect of your leadership. All right, I, I, I'm hoping one day I can get a chance to teach this again. But then you, when you look at David's leaders in, in 2 Samuel 23 and, and, and uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 11, you'll see that, Jesus, that there, it wasn't all kind of orderly. They just read captains of three and captains of 12 and then uh, some were greater than others and just everywhere. I'll have to preach on it one day for you to see what I mean. And so also, while we're talking about this part of uh, of being a, a base church, we need to be looking all the time, God, who could be the one that could take over from me, succeed what I, me when my time is up and you move me on or you take me to be in glory? Uh, God may give you a few names. Give those people time. Give them your time. Spend more time with them. Train them. Equip them. If you want to see the base church go on and on and on. Um, you can just be looking for yourself. I just, oh, I've got to move on. Jerusalem started out as a base church, but it didn't end up as one. While Antioch seemed to start out well and seemed to continue to be one. And you look through the book of Acts, you see the first 15 chapters, verse 8, so much as Jerusalem. After 8 to 15, it's a little uh, less. And then it, after chapter 15, it becomes Antioch. Um, the, church, the change started for Jerusalem in Acts chapter 8 when, the, when the, the sent ones, the ones that should have been going, the apostles, stayed and the others went. And then a vice church, the next ingredient, plants new churches while building up and maturing the local church. It plants new churches. The Antioch base was constantly involved in planting and building up new, new, new believers through the team. And so that base needs to commit itself to financing and supporting those that it sends out to plant other churches. And those that go out and plant need to be committed enough to say, when we no longer need the finances, we'll release the base church. And, and then you see, it'll never become a mother church. Mother church is not what we're talking about. God wants churches planted that can reach people that the mother church couldn't reach through their personalities and giftings, etc. So look for opportunities to release more and more people. And then lastly, where God alone gets the glory. That's the last little ingredient. And I think and hope that all of these ingredients encapsulate the whole of what a base church is. There's so much more we could say about it. 
But where God alone gets the glory. Just let me say this. I've got this little saying. Self-producing. The, the self-producing greatness syndrome. It's such a problem in the church today. Self-producing greatness. I create my own greatness by my skills, by showing off, by using the gift of the gab, for performing in the front of the people, loving what they, their claps and their applause instead of the approval and the praise of God. God promises to make our name great. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It doesn't come from yourself. It doesn't even come from people around you. Promotion comes from God and God alone. And in Genesis chapter 12, in those uh, first, uh, first three verses, God says to Abraham, leave your house, leave your country, leave your family, etc. And he tells you, I'll make your name great. I will make your name great. That's the kind of greatness we want, where God alone gets the glory and allow God to give us the greatness that we need to further extend what God wants to do in and through us. So remember this, God's blessing follows those whose strength is in the Lord and have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Psalm 84 verse 5, they have find their strength in God and they've set their heart on pilgrimage. Change what God, whenever you tell me to move, even if it's to change something in the church, to move the church, something in the church, change it, or me to move, or people to move, I've set my heart on pilgrimage. I'm asking you as a group of leaders, elders, and anyone else who may be listening to these messages, will you in Jesus' name set your heart on pilgrimage? Say, Lord, my strength is you, is in you. I want you to get all the glory. My heart is set on pilgrimage. I want to see our church change from this minute. We're going to pray. We're going to seek your face. We're going to find out what you want for us to do to change our church from being a mediocre church. Even if it's big, we know the true effectiveness of what it's doing. We want to become a base that can fulfill the Great Commission. Will you commit yourself to do that? And Father, whoever does, listening to my preaching May the inspiration of the power of God and the Spirit of God change them. May they know you in such a way that they'll never, ever, ever be the same again. I'm asking for such an impartation, even as I pray, but I've hoped that and trust that you've been imparting to them while they've listened to these messages such an impartation of that grace, goodness, authority, and power that's wrapped up in the anointing in Jesus. And I ask it for all of them in Jesus' name with thanksgiving, acknowledging again, Father, no one else is worthy, only you. And I give it all to you. I give you all the glory for you alone are worthy. Christ, my Lord. Amen.